All right. I forgot to correct that thing. So anyway, good to see you guys. You guys doing well? You ready to go? Continue going? We already started, so we might as well continue on. Hey, uh, we started a series uh, a few weeks back that we're going to continue on, but before we do, I want to make just a couple more uh, announcements, actually just to highlight some of the things that uh, were communicated on the uh, COTM videos. First of all, that we have a, uh, this wasn't on the video, but I do want to make you aware of this, is that we have our Radiant... uh, 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 conference that's coming up in September, and it's going to be awesome, awesome, and uh, and so if you've not signed up, we want to highly, highly encourage you to do so, and there is a radiant table out there. You can ask questions. There's, they'll sign you up there. Uh, there is an early bird fee that will be taking place uh, that's happening now, and it will end tomorrow, and so uh, if you uh, haven't signed up, I want to encourage you to do that. Also, First Wednesday is this coming Wednesday, and so if you've not been a, a part of our First Wednesdays, I want to I encourage you to come and be a part of that, and uh, it's a time of worship. We share communion. We spend a little bit of time in the Word, and then we, we share each other's lives, and so come and be a part of that, and uh, also, if you're, or if you're wanting to connect a church on the move, uh, you've been maybe coming for a while, or, or maybe you haven't. Maybe this is your first time. It's like, man, I found home. And you want to find out more about Church on the Move, today is a great day to do that through our growth track. And so step one of our growth track is at 1130. Uh, and if you have children, we'll care for your children. We feed you lunch, and we're only here for about an hour. And, uh, and so it'll be a, a great time for you to connect, find out more about Church on Move. And so we want to encourage you to do that. And then one more thought before I head out is that we have our small group sign-ups today, which kicks off today. And so we have our, our, si- our sign-ups today. And there's a place that you can sign up out there, and they kick off, and it's only six weeks long this semester, and then we'll conclude with a serve day, and that will be taking place on uh, July the 15th. You'll find out more about that as the days uh, get closer, and so as that day gets closer. And so we want to encourage you to sign up for small group. Do that. Let's get involved in small group. It is a blessing, okay, and being involved in a small group to say the least. All right? You guys ready? We started a series called From Inside Out, and I had this in my heart since last year to, to, to minister on this, and, uh, and I believe that God has great plans for us, that he has great things for, for all of our lives, for everything in our life, relationally, uh, financially, physically, in every area of our lives. Many times we don't experience the goodness of God and the greatness that God has for us is because we don't know how to live. Many times we're living out of our flesh, we're living out of human reasoning rather than uh, God's wisdom and God's word. Sometimes we live out of emotion, and if you live out of emotion, you're like a yo-yo, you're up one day and down the next and uh, inst- instead, we are to live out of our heart. We are to live from the inside out. And so I made this statement, and I want to give this to you. And it's this, and it's, if you're taking uh, notes, you're following along with the notes that are in your worship guide. It says, the only way to experience personal and lasting change, direction, and results is from the inside out. 
And we call this living from the heart. Now, as, as I was uh, preparing this, I, I, I got to thinking, you know, we all want to live from our heart. God wants us to live from our heart. The Bible says out of, out of, your, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. There's life that flows out of our heart, but our heart can be influenced and it can be contaminated if we, uh, if we don't watch it. And, and as a result, then we begin to make uh, wrong decisions in our life. So I want to share a couple of scriptures or one scripture with two different translations. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this. It says, keep your heart, keep your heart. That's, that's the area I want you to see for just a moment. It says, to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. We have, to, we have to make sure that we keep our heart, protect our heart, guard our heart. Another translation says it this way. It says, to guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. So we have to guard our heart. If we don't watch it, if we're not guarding our heart, then there's some things that can influence our heart. There's things that can get into our heart. Seeds of, 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 uh, of things that can uh, bring forth bad things out of our heart. Jesus said it's this way. He says, out of the good treasure of your heart, good things will come. And then out of the bad treasures of your heart, bad things will come. And so there's some things that we can allow into our life. And if we don't watch it, those things will come in and influence our heart in a bad way. And out of, our, out of that heart will come bad things. And so we need, to, we need to guard our heart. We need to protect our heart. Not only do we do it, but we do it diligently, Scripture says. That we need to do it with diligence. We need to make sure that this is a, a lifestyle, that we do something and don't take it lightly in our life. Are you, are you tracking with me? And, and so the problem, the, the heart of the problem for many people is the problem of the heart. And, and it's not the things that are going on in life. Many people look at their life and they look at their issues in their life and they're, they're discouraged and upset about the things that are going on in their life. And I'm here to say if you'll change your heart, then the things in your life, most, most of them will line up. There's things that will come about that will, will be good for you. And, and so that's what we need to do. And the devil wants to get in and he wants to destroy what God is trying to build in our life. And what does he use? Many times he just uses seeds. It's the, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that come in. And if he can put seeds in us, bad seeds in us to grow a big harvest, then he'll do that. That's why we've got to guard our heart with all diligence. Are you with me? And so I want to share a scripture with you. And today I'm going to talk to you about be tender-hearted. And this is something that we need to guard. We need to make sure that we're tender-hearted towards God and towards others. Ephesians chapter 4, I love the way that it says it this way. And I just want to point out some things. But it says, let no corruption, no, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. So watch your words. We'll talk about that later. But what is good and necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, watch your words because your words can grieve what God's wanting to do in our lives. Watch your words. Watch what you're doing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but watch what you say. Because it can grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor... 
evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be, say be, be. and be kind to one another, tender hearted. And that's where I got my message title today is be tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, most people, especially when you come into the Lord, you, you get a tender heart. The Bible says that he takes the heart of stone out of you and he puts a heart of flesh. And so you get this tender heart, but in the process of life, life happens. In the process of, of hurts and pains and circumstances and situations and what, well, you know, the list goes on, many times we get, we get hard-hearted instead of staying tender-hearted towards God and towards others. And we're instructed by God to keep a tender heart, to be tender-hearted. And so today, that's what we're going to look at is what, what do we need to do? How can we guard this? This heart, this tender heart, so that out of it flows everything that God has for us in our life. He wants to flow good things out of our life, not only for us, but for others. And all of us have been recipients of bad things from other people. And, And the reason is, is that it's because they lost the tenderness in their heart. And it's something that we all can achieve and, and, and have, and, and it's something that we can hold on to and keep if we'll, we'll just do what I'm going to share today with, with all of us, okay? So what I want to do is I want to talk about this, but I want to share, I want to, I want to share a, 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 a scripture, and I'm going to share this out of two different translations. In Proverbs 28, verse 14, it says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. And doesn't mean being scared of God. The word, the fear of the Lord is having a wholesome dread of displeasing God. In other words, we, we don't want to ever, we don't ever want to hurt God's heart. That's what the fear of the Lord is. I don't want to ever do anything that's going to disappoint God. That's the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that blessed is the one, that's where blessing comes from, is the one who fears the Lord, but whoever hardens his heart, And I put on there, to God. One translation says, hardens his heart to God. And I got to thinking about this. When we harden our heart to God, it's automatic that we're going to harden our heart towards others. It's God that keeps and helps us to keep our heart tender. And it says, whoever hardens his heart to God will fall into calamity. In different translations, uh, it, it describes calamity as being trouble, misfortune, disaster. And, and, and then I thought about this as I was preparing this. I thought, you know, because I know I, I work with people all the time. That's my job, yeah. is working with people. I, I, I minister to people, love people. I'm working with people, walking with people, helping people in every way that I possibly can with the help of the Lord. And I got to thinking about this. Even though we're living a decent life, many times we're living harder lives than, than we need to because of a hard heart. I know lots of good people that are still not living to the potential that God has for them because they've gotten hardened in their heart. And many times we think that having a hard heart is being a person that is in rebellion, but that's not always the case. Sometimes we're good people, loving people in in many ways, but we still have allowed things to come into our heart and harden us. I want you to capture this because I'm telling you, everything flows out of that heart. 
And we want good things flowing out of our hearts. So how can we how can we be tender-hearted? Well, number one, this is the first thing I want to share with you is that what we consider determines the condition of our heart. What we consider. What we consider. And I'll I'll explain this a little bit more as I take you to a a uh, a verse in the Bible. And I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And if you're following along in the Bible, that's where we're going. Verse 45. What had taken place is Jesus had just, he had just done a great miracle. Of course, he had done, already done many miracles, but he had just, he had just fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Approximately, probably anywhere from 15,000 to 25,000 people. He fed them with five loaves and two fish. How many know the story? supernaturally fed that many people. I mean, I, it's, it, it would be a miracle to me to feed all of us here with five loaves and two fish, much less 5,000 men plus women and children. That's, that's miraculous. Could you imagine? And his disciples were a part of this process. And they, you know, he was handing them, he blessed it, he, Jesus blessed it, and he's handing them the food. And they, they fed everybody until everybody was satisfied, Scripture says. And then after it was done, they picked up not five loaves and two fish. They picked up 12 baskets full. That in itself is a miracle. If there was no other miracle that took place, that's a miracle. And so they had just experienced all of these miracles that Jesus had done. And then he gave them instruction in verse 45. He says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them, his disciples, straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. It was about three o'clock in the morning. And would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves, but beyond measure and marveled. I don't know why they were amazed. I mean, Jesus had already done so many miraculous miracles for them, around them, by them. You know, he just he had done all these miracles. And so Jesus, I'm sure it is, it's, it would probably boggle us if somebody was walking on water in the middle of a storm. And then he gets in the boat, and that storm just gets calm. And, and I'm sure that, that was... That, but at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised at it. But the Bible says they were amazed. Like, how did this happen? Well, oh my gosh, he just fed 5,000 men plus women and children. He'd just done all these different miracles. Why should they be amazed? Isn't it, doesn't that happen for us many times that we just get amazed? At, it's like we're praying for a miracle, and then God does a miracle, and then we get amazed at it. Well, that's what he does, right? But I want you to see in, in verse 52, we're going to continue on reading in, in uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 52. It says, For they considered not 
the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. For their heart was hardened. Isn't that interesting? That their heart was hardened? We need to understand that Jesus had just spent all kinds of time with his disciples. In Mark chapter 4, we know that he talks about the sower sowing the seed. The Bible says that he expounded, he gave them the word and how the word works and how it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold in our life. He just, and the Bible says after he taught everybody, he took his disciples aside and he explained everything to them. In other words, he spent a lot of time to make it, it clear to them so that they understood how the kingdom of God works. Yet they were amazed, and the reason is, and yet they still had a hardened heart. And the reason is, is it says, for they considered not. What we consider determines the condition of our heart. Too often we're considering things that we shouldn't be considering instead of considering Jesus who we ought to be considering. We ought to be considering his word instead of considering what other people say or what other things say or whatever our circumstances are saying. And too often that's where we are and is that we are considering we are considering all these other different things in life. And listen, all of us have things that are speaking to us all the time. Your circumstances, your problems, your hurts, your past pains, your all those different things are speaking to you and I all the time. They have a voice. They are they are speaking loudly, but we need not consider them. The Bible says that Abraham considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb, nor himself being a hundred years old. Instead, he gave glory to God. Why? Because God is faithful who has promised. He only considered the promise of God, not the deadness of Sarah's womb, that she was unable to bear children, or himself being a hundred years old and thinking about having children. And that's where many of us are. We've allowed our hearts to become hard because we're considering all the wrong things. I looked up that word consider, and the word consider means to study, to ponder, to deliberate, to examine, to think upon. In other words, we're focused on it. We're focused on it. Right before worship, I was sitting up here in and Miss Lisa behind me hurt. Well, I don't know. I was eavesdropping, but I hope she doesn't mind. And I don't even know who she was telling, but she said, out of sight, out of mind. I wrote it down. I got my iPad, put it in here, wrote it down. And isn't that true? Whatever we consider is what's on our mind. Whatever we consider becomes the focus of our life. Whatever we consider influences our heart. Whatever we don't consider doesn't influence our heart. And I don't know what it is that was out of sight, out of mind, but I know that that's the case for many of us. It's like, oh my gosh, I forgot that. And it's because it's out of sight, out of mind. And, and here's the point, is that my heart had become hardened toward that that I wasn't considering. And my heart was tender towards that that I was considering. Our hearts will always be tender towards that that we consider. So we've got to watch what we consider. What are you and I considering? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? What are you considering right now that's influencing your heart, that's causing your heart to be tender? You, you can become tender towards the wrong things. You can become tender towards your sickness. You can become tender towards your, towards your pain. You can come to become tender towards your past. Instead of becoming tender towards God's word that says, I'm your healer. 
Instead of becoming tender towards God's word that says, I'm your deliverer. Instead of becoming tender towards God's word that says, I am, I, I am your help in time of need. And too often we're considering all of our circumstances, all of our situations, and I'm with people all the time, and I see people making decisions based not on the Word of God, not based on what God says and what God is doing, but they're making decisions based on what it is their circumstances are saying to them in in this moment in life. Because of the things that they're considering, and as a result, their hearts become tender towards what... Really, honestly, they should, it shouldn't be tender towards. You ever hurt yourself? Once you hurt yourself, it seems like, it seems like, uh, you can see uh, uh, there's a black fingernail here. I smashed my finger. And it seems like whenever you, you hurt yourself, it seems like you keep getting hurt in that same spot. Why? Because it's tender. And that's how it is with many of our pains and our hearts. Our hurts. We're tender towards that. And we need to refocus because what you focus on is what you become tender towards. And what you don't focus on is what you become hard towards. Jesus, remember, his disciples, they weren't in rebellion. Matter of fact, they were following Jesus. Yet he said their hearts were they're hardened. Their hearts were hardened because of what they did not consider. Are you with me? So, the first thing that we need to do and how to keep tender is we need to watch what we, what we uh, consider. The second thing is what we meditate on. What we meditate de- determines the condition of our heart. Once again, his disciples are always with him and, you know, God's, Jesus is doing great things and he did another miracle. He fed, he fed the 7,000, if you remember that. And so I want to pick up in, in Mark chapter 8 and continue on. It says, And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And I'm not going to get into that. But it doesn't take but a little bit to spread through the whole. But anyway, little, little yeast spreads through the whole batch. But anyway, in verse 16, it says, And they reasoned among themselves. Remember, I said, watch your words. They reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? That word perceive means to consider. And do not understand, remember that word understand, because we're going to come back, back to this. Please track with me, Be, stay, stick with me, I want to help you. I think God wants to do great things for us, but many times we're, we're, we're not receiving. I'll talk to people about healing, I'll talk to people about uh, receiving from God different things in their life, and they're so, they're so hardened towards what God says and God wants to do, towards miracles and different things that God wants to do, that they, they, can't, even, they can't even understand that 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 God wants to do it for them. And it says here, nor do you understand or comprehend. Is your heart still hardened? Jesus asked him, are you kidding me? Are you, is your heart still hardened? I already talked to you about a hardened heart. Why is this, why is it still hardened? So he asked him the question. 
And then he goes on in verse 18, Having eyes do you not see, having ears do you not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves and, and for the 5,000 and how many baskets full of fragments did, did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, I think I told you I got that backwards earlier, but anyway, he fed the 4,000 with seven loaves. And how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Why is it that you don't understand? Why is it? And I'm going to tell you why it was. It's what they were focused on. What they were, what they were meditating on. Now, we need to understand what biblical meditation in is. Med- biblical meditation means to mutter. It's something that we're speaking and thinking about, speaking and thinking about, speaking and thinking about, speaking and thinking about. That's what, that's what mutter. You're chewing over it. How many times we're constantly rehearsing, rehearsing our situations, rehearsing our problems, rehearsing our issues, rather than rehearsing the Word of God. The Word of God says, don't let this Word depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will have good success. Then you will have all that I have for you. When you meditate this word, it's something that we mutter, we continue to speak. Watch your words. You watch your words. Your word is like a rudder that directs your life. And that causes us to meditate. It causes us to think on something. And, and whatever we think on influences our heart. It either makes it tender or makes it hard towards whatever it is that we're thinking towards. And so we see this. So let me take you to a scripture, and I want you to see this even clearer. In uh, Psalm 30, uh, 49, verse 3, it says, My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. Notice this. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. What you meditate on gives you what? It gives you understanding. He says, why don't you understand this? Why is it that your your heart is still hard and you don't understand? And it tells us here why they don't understand, because the meditation of the heart shall give understanding. They were meditating on the wrong thing, therefore they didn't have the right understanding. It is good. There's far too many people meditating on the wrong things. I don't care how difficult your situation is, your circumstances is. God's word is true. It is pure. It's forever settled in heaven. It works if you'll work it. We live by the word. We don't live by our circumstances. We don't live by fear. We don't live by all the situations that many people live by. We need to be, if we're going to have a hard heart, let's have a hard heart towards our situations, our circumstances. But let's make sure that we maintain a tender heart towards God, towards his word, towards others. Amen? Amen. So that we have what all God has for us. And I know your circumstances, I'm not making light of them. I know that they're speaking loudly, but let me tell you, God's word will prevail if you'll attach yourself to it in faith and operate in your faith. Amen. Third thing, how, how to be tenderhearted. Number three, what we value determines the condition of our heart. What we value, there are far too many people valuing things that uh, they shouldn't be valuing over God. Uh, the Pharisees. I believe this is what we're talking about here in Mark chapter 3, verse 1. 
through 3, it says he entered into the synagogue again, and, and, uh, and a man was there who had a withered hand, so they watched him closely, watched Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. <laughs> we could go there and say some things. Some people, they're just looking for the negative. And, oh, by the way, if you look for it, you'll find it. It says, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. You know, as a church, one of the things that we're trying to do all the time is help people take steps. Amen. That's what our growth track is all about. It's about helping people take that next step. We, we want to help you achieve what God has for you. There's a, there's a journey that God has for everybody, and we want everybody fulfilling that journey. And so he said, step forward. And we say that, step forward. Step forward today and, and get on that journey that God has for you. So, and we'll help you along, along that way. And if you've maybe stepped forward and backed off, it's time to step forward again and, and get going. Then he said to them, is it, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. I love that. Isn't that great? And see here, they valued their they valued their 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 uh, their. I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for us, and it, it's to be a blessing to us. But they were trying to they valued trying to. Uh, gosh, help me out. Not only the rules. I mean, we we all need rules. We we do. We live we live by. We all need we all need boundaries. There's nothing wrong with rules, but they they were they were living by what their 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 uh, their their prideful ways. They were they were just prideful. Really, honestly, it's just like we're keeping the Sabbath. We're keeping. But man, they were just they were as uh, as dark inside as anybody. They were as sinful as anybody. They needed Jesus more than anything, and it wasn't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't care about people. The Sabbath is made for us. It's made to bless us. It's made to refresh us. It's made to strengthen us. It's made to, like Jesus said, who's, is, 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 would you rather me kill or would you rather me give life? You know, they were valuing the wrong thing. They weren't valuing people. They didn't care less about people. They really care less about God. It's about their ways. You know. And so anyway... What we value, what we value will determine the condition of our hearts. Matthew says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever it is that you value, there's where your heart's going to follow. Make sure you're, you're valuing the right thing so that your heart will be where it needs to be. It determines the condition of your heart. Let me give you one more thought in bringing this to a close. What we believe determines the condition of our heart. Mark 16, once again, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven, and this was after the resurrection, and it says, As they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and the hardness of their heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He rebuked them. 
He said, guys, here, you're, here you are, still hard-hearted. Even after the resurrection, here you are, still in that same position. Haven't I talked to you about this, boys? Sometimes doesn't it, I mean, I, I, as a pastor, I love you. You know I love you, right? I really do love you. But sometimes it's like, don't you understand yet? Why is it that your heart is still hard? I mean, can is anybody home in there? <laughs> Capture this. God's way is the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the way, not a way, the way. He is the life, not a life. He is the life, and he is the truth. He is the and so when we do it God's way, it works out as God intends. When we do it our way, then it tends to mess up on us. And that's, the, that's what we need to get through. Let's watch our hearts because God, he says we need to guard them because there's going to be things that are going to be speaking into our life. We'll begin to meditate the wrong things. We'll begin to believe the wrong things. And if we believe the wrong things, then it's going to determine the condition of our heart. And so we've got to be careful. Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 3. It says, beware, brethren. This is talking to believers. You and I, all of us, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another. How often? Every day we need the exhortation, that encouragement in the things of God. But exhort one another daily. That's why small groups are so vital. We're not a church, we're not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups. And then we come together once a week and we worship together. And then, then the rest of the week we're out there, we're gathering in small groups, we're doing life and ministry, we're helping each other, loving people, praying for each other. That's what we're doing in small groups. Why? Because we need to exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What is sin? When you know to do right and you do wrong for you, it's sin. Anything that's outside of faith is sin. So let's go on, some of you that are tracking with me. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today, if you will hear his voice. How many are hearing his voice today? Do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. God's instructing us today. Keep a pure heart, a clean heart, a tender heart, so that he can do what he wants to do in our lives. Let's pray.